Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 5, Making a Writing Life. Welcome back to the Secret Library. This week we're talking about an obstacle, but also a force that you need to get comfortable with. At least I have found that I have. In order to take all the steps that are necessary to build a writing life. And this experience or force or process is getting comfortable with risks. I'm not talking about the board game risk, but rather the experience of doing something without any certainty of the outcome. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the season in thinking about looking forward and feeling that you can learn and that it's possible to grow and that you have to do things without certainty. And this is a big part of writing. So in the last two years, we've had a lot of practice. We've had to get more comfortable with risk. Things that we did without thinking about before became risky and we had to assess how we felt about them. Things that were part of our regular experience, like travel, seeing loved ones, even going to the store, among so many other things, these became risky to us. And we had to, daily, we had to assess how comfortable we were with these risks. So writing is a different kind of risk. It's an emotional risk. It's most of the time, I would say in most cases, 99% of the time, it's an emotional risk rather than a physical one. But it is a risk in terms of becoming vulnerable. And there are many layers to this. So first, there's the risk of beginning, you know, starting to write the thing in the first place. And we, at this point, no matter how experienced or inexperienced we are, we can't know how the book or the story or the article or whatever it is we're writing will turn out when we decide to start. And the biggest risk we take is shifting from seeing the idea from seeing the story as a dream in our heads that could be the most brilliant thing we've ever done. And that it's it's capable of being anything. It could change the world when it's a potential idea. And when we shift that into a tangible form, 
we have to make choices and we have to make sacrifices and we have to let go of this infinite possibility that the idea has. And this is a huge risk. And this stops people all the time. Because the biggest risk at the beginning is being willing to choose when we only have limited information. And this isn't because you're doing it wrong. This isn't because you don't have enough experience. This isn't because you're a good enough writer. This is because this is the way it works. You have to choose which scenes to write. You have to choose where the story begins. And you have to choose how much ground it covers, what timeline it has, who the main character is of all the people it could be. And you have to capture them as best you can. And this happens when you and the characters are just getting to know each other. It's the nature of beginnings. Every writer I know gets to the end of a book and thinks, if I knew what I, you know, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have done it so differently or it would have been so much easier. But we can never write a book knowing now what we will know in the future as a result of having written the book. And we have to take the risk of starting without that information. And we all go through this. The most important thing to do is to start making choices and to take the leap and be aware of the the sadness or disappointment that may come up about the, the infinite possibility becoming one piece of what this idea could be. But you have to make choices. And you have to embrace this sacrifice and and recognize it as a risk that's part of the process. And without going through this doorway of this particular risk, you're never going to get to the end or the end typed out, which is where we all want to end up. And please trust me that you will have an easier time changing one of these choices that you're risking making at the beginning if you've actually made the choice. So if you make a choice now at the beginning of writing your story and later it feels like, you know what, that that doesn't fit, that doesn't work for this character, it will be easier to make changes when you've committed to something on the page. Because if you don't make the choice at all, then there is a holding back And there is a lack of risk that radiates through the rest of the story. And it's, it's half baked. It's, it's half, half in your, it's like you won't pull it out of that potential space where it could be anything. If you're not willing to let that go and leap, then it will be caught in between the space of a potential idea and a real book. And when things get caught in there, it gets very difficult to work with the material that you come up with. If you leave these potential writing decisions in limbo, then it's like you're you're standing on a foundation of jello when you go back to revise because you can't count on anything that you've written. If this is a really 
important and, and salient topic for you. Rachel Stephen and I discussed the importance of, as she talks about it, getting off maybe. You have to kind of yes or no potential decisions and not stay in the maybe zone. When she was on the show, we really got into this. So I encourage re-listening to that episode or get getting to that episode if you haven't listened to it yet as a helpful way to frame it. So this is risk number one, which is beginning. And I have to say that the risk continues from there. Every time you engage with writing, there's going to be risk. So writing forward as far as you know where the story goes, that's a risk. Because it's trusting that new scenes and story ideas and development will be there when you reach the end of the plan that you have. It's also important to, um, to assess how comfortable you are with uncertainty in the face of risk. I mean, this is true for writing as well as life, but, but writing is no different. So you might be comforted by a lot of scenes and a lot of steps planned in advance. Or you might feel suffocated, and this might feel like, why am I bothering to write this book if this is all planned out already? You might prefer discovering as you go. A good clue, if you're unsure which of these would work for you, is to think about how you prefer to travel. So do you like knowing every restaurant you're going to eat in months in advance? Do you like to have an itinerary? Do you like a printed sheet of paper when you go off somewhere, knowing that you aren't going to have any surprises? Or are you the sort of person who loves the idea of showing up at a train station or an airport saying, hmm, that looks interesting, and just deciding where you're going to go on departure day? Most of us are somewhere in between there, but one of those probably sounds horrific. And the other one sounds like, wow, if only I could travel that way. So whichever one you're aspiring towards, I would say that says a lot about how much risk you're open to and how much uncertainty you're open to in your writing. If you love the idea of going to the airport and jumping on a plane somewhere you hadn't even considered going to the day before, then I would not encourage you to make a scene-by-scene, moment-by-moment outline because you're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to appeal to your love of risk. And by the same token, if you're the kind of person who dreams of having either that level of itinerary that you have put together yourself or even that someone else has planned for you, then you're going to be so terrified if you don't have some scenes mapped out in advance, then you're not even going to be able to get started. It's going to feel more scary than it's worth. So the level of planning you do for trips is an excellent indicator of the method of plan that will be most enjoyable for you as a writer. Also, try to assess the degree of risk those you are taking advice from or the examples that you're following, whether as actual mentors or teachers or virtual mentors in terms of reading craft and writing process books. See how much degree of risk these writers seem to be comfortable with because if they are at the opposite end of the spectrum from you, then their advice is really not going to help you. 
Like there's no need to follow a beat by beat spreadsheet to plan your story if you prefer finding hotels last minute. And again, if you if you love those kinds of things, then don't listen to discovery writers or people who talk about feeling their way through the story and just finding scenes as they go if you prefer to have everything clear from the beginning. There's nothing wrong with any of these methods. They're basically just writers figuring out what works for them. And writers who have succeeded in traditional and indie publishing come from all degrees on the spectrum of these levels of risk. But just know that just because something worked for them doesn't mean it has to work for you. And if it isn't a fit for you, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or the way that you write. It's just about the level of risk tolerance. It's also the level of enjoyment that people have with different methods of writing. There's as many ways to write as there are writers. So know that you have to consider whether a piece of advice is suitable for you before taking it. And what matters most is to figure out the level of risk that motivates you and is enjoyable for you versus figuring out what level of risk scares you and shuts you down. So if you can be in the, the sort of manageable yet meaningful level of risk where it's just enough risk that it feels exciting, but not too much that it feels like I can't even concentrate. Risk is right next to you through the entire process of writing any story, any article, any play, screenplay, book, whatever you're working on, there's always going to be risk. Your choices, drafting, revising the manuscript, and ultimately deciding that you've taken it as far as you can go, all of these are risks. Because there's always a different way to do everything. And so the most important thing is to build a relationship with your intuition, your gut, and your heart. It's not something that we can have an intellectual checklist for. You have to know how, how to feel your way through. So at this point, once you've taken it as far as you can go, then you're starting to think about the stage of sharing work. And it's important to know your comfort level with this level of risk, because sharing your work and getting feedback is an entirely different level of risk. It's not just about you on your own figuring out your level of comfort. It's about how you feel when someone sees what you've written, the vulnerability of that, and, and how you are able to get responses and how that's going to feel for you in terms of your writing and this project. So again, trust your gut. I have found that starting with other writers who are similarly vulnerable are often the safest choice with the lowest level of risk since everyone is sharing work and people are more sensitive in, in many cases when they have a similar level of risk to you. So this is a good, a good choice as long as you're in a group and a community where there are clear boundaries and guidance about how we're looking at work, how we're reading, and how we're talking about it. It's, it's essential to have the ground rules set and that there's safety around the space. I have found, despite protest from many, many students in many cases, that, that 
kind of dissecting work and the experience of taking it apart in in a critique kind of format and looking at everything in little teeny bites and sort of shredding it does way more harm than good. And many people think that they have to have their work kind of eviscerated in order to get the, quote, real response. Um, these might be people with higher tolerance for risk in terms of feedback. But I have found that in all the groups I run, and we focus very much on what's working, what makes readers curious, what they're dying to know more about, and, and finally, anything that was maybe a little bit confusing. But we really err on focusing on what's working, because it's just as useful for a writer to see, ah, everybody thinks this part is working, and nobody mentioned this other part that I was less sure of. So maybe that's not quite working yet. That's the same information as everybody wagging fingers at something. And it's much more supportive and validating to the writer. And if there is something that's confusing, that's useful to know, but that's a more affirmative way to talk about it. Like, I wasn't quite sure who was speaking at this point is useful information without being judgmental. If writers feel terrified as a result of sharing work to share it again, then that is not an encouraging environment to be in. And if you are in an environment where you feel afraid, like afraid you're going to be discouraged and you're not going to feel excited about writing again after you share your work in this setting, that is not a safe environment for you. And I don't encourage you to continue going there. There are options out there that are facilitated differently. And make sure that you ask questions before getting into a critique group as to how responses are offered and what the ground rules of the community are, because that's really important in terms of assessing it. And it, it's not more valuable feedback if it's if it's more critical or pointed or aggressive, that's just painful and it doesn't help you or your writing. I have found over many years of experience with this. So also beyond kind of other writers, you want to assess carefully how you feel about the risk of sharing what you've written to with those close to you. And I'm talking about family and friends who may not be writers. But in the in the interest of being encouraging or supportive or frankly just being curious, they may reach out and say, oh, I really want to read your book. When can I read your book? So just because they want to read your book doesn't mean you have to let them read your book at any stage of the process until you're ready. So for example, uh, my husband and my family have not read my novel, despite the fact that it is quote unquote finished. And the reason for that up to this point was that I didn't feel it was ready. But now it feels like too much of a risk to have their feedback while I'm still querying and I'm working on getting represented for the book and hopefully placing it for publication. So you, that is a risk for me doing that, putting this book out and feeling hopeful about whether or not someone would want to have it. And you have to persist if you want to go the traditional publishing route, which I'm doing just to see if it's possible, honestly. And because I want to have the widest range of experience available to, to share that information with my students. But it's discouraging. And there's a lot of sending work out and hearing nothing. There's a lot of 
you know, blind luck. There's a lot of coincidence. There's a lot of the fact that these humans that decide which books to publish are overwhelmed and beaten up by the last few years as well. So I really need to have strong motivation and optimism that this is worth doing to continue sending this work out. And if I were to allow those close to me to read it, even a small comment that was at all like, well, this bit didn't work for me, or I don't know how I feel about that. I know that I'm sensitive enough about this after five years of work on this book that that might shut me down. So I have decided that I'm waiting until this book is placed for publication, however it's going to be published, before I let them read it. So this is just an example. So you can get a sense of what the thought process is behind these decisions. I've had to think about what my level of risk is and what the risk is in letting them read it. So ask yourself, whose thoughts can I manage hearing while finding the feedback useful and meaningful? So whose response is manageable and yet the feedback will be meaningful? So manageable yet meaningful is my mantra for basically everything in life. And yet again, here we have it. So look for people that feel safe enough that you can, you can tolerate it and you know that you can trust their response and that it will be useful to you. So for me, that looked like my editor reading my work, um, a friend and TA for Dream to Draft, whose opinion I value, and also friends who are writers. Um, I've given to a couple of them. So I knew that the response would be thoughtful and also meaningful because they know what it's like to have their work read and they're writers. So the things that they notice will hopefully be of use. Um, the, the risk goes up. It goes up quite a bit once the readership gets wider so going traditional means, as I, I mentioned, sending your book to potential agents, and you may not get any response. You may get a rejection. You never know what you're going to get there. And even if you publish independently, it means you go from beta readers and potentially editors that you've worked with to just the general public. And that can be like, a you know, from one day to the next, you're going from readers that you've chosen to readers who have chosen themselves. And this is something that you'll want to be really gentle with yourself about. An interesting story about this, if you go back and listen to Alexandra Franzen's episode, she wrote her first novel. Um, so then we came to the end, I believe. I may be bungling the title there, but um, she had a dream and then it was so vivid that she ended up writing it as fiction. And then it felt too vulnerable to share it, even though she had published numerous nonfiction books at that point. And so she first shared it just as a PDF that she gave to her mailing list and said, here this is, I hope you find it enjoyable. And then she took another step where it was a little bit more of a risk. She put it on Gumroad and sold it there. And so it wasn't sort of in the, the main online marketplace of selling the book. 
And even so, she ultimately went with a, a traditional publisher who she had a relationship with and decided in a third step to share it widely. So that episode is great to look at the options that are available to you in terms of managing your risk tolerance with sharing your work. The beautiful thing about risk, though, I I don't want to just present it as a negative because being in the face of risk and making choices makes us feel alive. So you can modulate this in ways that I've given examples for. And you can do this all the way through your writing process, either by adjusting what you're comfortable writing with, how much time you spend writing, the way you structure it. And ultimately, going through all of those steps, it will become a book. And writing another book in the future is a new risk. And that one you can adjust in the same way. But you will have more information and more experience when you get to future books. You know, there are different levels of risk there. You know, do I write another book with the same characters in the same world that I've established? Or do I go off and write something completely different than what I was writing before? You know, if you've been publishing for a while, there are lots of writers who want to do something very different, and it's a risk to their career to step away from that brand that's been established. So there are always risks that we can take and see how we feel about them. I mean, as always, it's up to you. And you'll find over time that the things that used to feel terrifying and felt like, you know, jumping off a building with no parachute no longer have the same effect. You get comfortable with these and they don't feel so risky anymore. And this feeling can radiate into your whole life. If I hadn't been comfortable with risk and getting comfortable with taking risks for years in writing, I don't know if I would have been able to up and move 6,000 miles to a new continent and a new country with a, you know, a native language that's not my native language, like we did in 2018. So this ability to take risks has led to other risks that are positive and maybe would have felt too scary otherwise. Writing has a really incredible power to create new stories, not just the stories that we write, but even the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we're capable of. So see how this impacts you. Keep writing because you're a whole lot more powerful than you realize. Thank you so much for listening as always to the Secret Library Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else who would benefit. It means the world to us. And all reviews, comments on wherever you listen to podcasts are extremely extremely appreciated it helps other people um, it helps other people find the show and for us to share the message of writing wider because we all benefit when more people tell their stories if you'd like to continue the conversation please sign up for footnotes my newsletter in the link in the show notes 
And as a subscriber of Footnotes, you get access to the Secret Library Cafe, where all kinds of wonderful supportive writers are interested in swapping connections for beta reading, supportive conversation, book recommendations, and more. It's a beautiful space in there, and I'm so proud of everyone in there. In addition, you can check out the YouTube channel where we have clips weekly that are distilled, smaller, short practices to take inspired by the content of each episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week for our final episode in this season, Making a Writing Life. Mm -hmm.